are in full-blown transition period. And uh, I, uh, I got to meet again with, uh, sit down with Brandon, who I know a bunch of you don't know this. I know we've got some new faces and, and new people in here. And, um, but I am transitioning out and we have a new senior leader that's coming in probably most likely the beginning of June. And um, anyway, I got, his name's Brandon. And his and him and his wife Amy and their family will be um, coming up and taking the ne- the reins for the next season with Mount Chapel. But um, anyway, I got to sit with him for about an hour and a half on Wednesday, and just have a great, great, a great time, just dreaming about what the next few months is going to look like. And just I'm just excited. It's going to be it's going to be cool. And every time I meet with them and sit with them, the more I'm excited. For you guys, and uh, the way he thinks, and what's in on his heart, and the things, dreams that God's giving him, and all stuff that you're going to find out better from him. But uh, but for what it's worth, I'm excited. And uh, he ends just to kind of bring you into the, as much of the loop as there is. He um, he's a revival group pastor at Bethel, and their graduation week is the first week in uh, May. And then he's going to take uh, probably uh, a week off or so. Um, he was thinking about it. I strongly encouraged him to take at least a week off uh, and just to, to rest um, at kind of the end of the whirlwind and before this kind of next season. And then probably mid-May, um, the next three or four weeks or so will be kind of the transition where we'll both kind of be here and we'll both be kind of figuring out what that looks like and planning. It'll be a bunch of fun. And then at some point in there, there'll be a Sunday morning uh, kind of commissioning service, um, waiting for uh, schedules to kind of align for some people that we want to, to be there. And, but we'll announce that as soon as we know. But at some point, there'll be a Sunday morning kind of dedicated to the, the official kind of pass of the baton. So we don't really know what that looks going to look like, but it sounds like fun. So uh, we'll do that. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun, and then from that point on, the transition will kind of be be, be done. So super exciting. It's going to be fun. Just to kind of catch you guys all up. If you have any uh, thoughts or questions, or I, I hope um, we've been kind of petitioning you, and um, and I hope that you are just joining us. And I know m- many of you have told me that you are just joining us in prayer for smooth transition and. Um, Brandon actually preached a, a great message on just kind of the transition process and kind of these two uh, views, one of them being, you know, the transition zone of like an actual passing of the baton during a race. And then also we're continuing to see transitional weather right now where, uh, you know, some of us hopeful for like, oh, one more big snow, you know, two to three feet, storm of the century. And it's like, I'm seeing grass grow. This is not. And then the opposite, like, oh, it's going to be, and then, you know, so, and how, like, during transition, um, we kind of need to live at some, have this kind of, um, be in the condition or be in the posture of of being ready for anything. Not plan, It's not a time to plan long term, it's a time to kind of take it as it comes and, and work our way through each day. And, and the weather might be this and the weather might be that. We're going to change and flow with it and enjoy it. And the beauty of actually this season is pretty amazing. That um, there's there, One of the things I, I love 
and we see it only this time of year. And uh, this morning you may have caught it, but flowers and snow. It's, it's like the only time of year that sometimes the daffodils are coming up. And uh, actually right back here we have the daffodils are blooming. And then the snow falls. And it's like, man, it's pretty amazing. It's an amazing thing to see flowers and snow at the same time. So anyway, beautiful things. And, but if you just want warm and flower and grass, you're kind of disappointed. But, you know, if you want snow, you're disappointed. So anyway, you understand Brandon did a great job kind of taking us through that and getting us excited to enjoy the process together. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, again, just kind of petitioning for your prayers. And you know that transition can be challenging and difficult, not just, um, you know, for leadership, but also the church in general and um, just all the uh, stuff that goes into it logistically and um, financially and all those things. So, um, yeah, just join us in, in prayer that it's smooth that it's enjoyable, that we have a good time, um, and, and I think we're we're going to. Amen. Sound good? Yeah. We uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about love today, and I um, <laughs> there's a, I, there's something crossed my mind the other day. I was sitting there, kind of thinking about. I was looking at us potentially. Um, I'm going to be preaching about five more times, looking at Sundays. Um, Brandon's actually preaching next week for um, for Easter Sunday. Asked him to come, and and so uh, anyway, and I, I'm looking at like, okay, what what do I want to do? And what what's um, what's what's my last kind of mark? And, and uh, so I've just been praying and thinking, and this this message I changed it and, and, and messed with it a bit, but it's it's something I've actually preached multiple times, and it's not something that's going to be surprising or necessarily even revelatory, but I think it's um, it's it's literally, as I'm going to, going to preach, it's it's the hinge pin of, of church, really. Um, now, the, the, the obvious purpose of our Existence is Jesus, but church is actually the gathering of people that have made that decision, and 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 obviously doors open to everyone. But but so when I say church, um, there's there's an assumption that we were gathering under the cross, under the that that. Um, well, I'll read you guys in in John thirteen thirty five. It says, "By all this, men will know." That you are my disciples if you love one another. And then actually in Galatians 5.14, which is just a neat verse being to unpack it, it says, But um, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus put it a little bit differently in saying that the, uh, combining the two, but not combining, but saying the first most important is to love God, but the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. And there's this... Um, there's a battle going on right now, um, and, and I feel like the enemy has has two major strategies. I'm not going to focus on this, really, but there's some point to where we're going to go today, uh, reasoning and kind of laying some more or shoring up some more foundation in, in loving each other. And that, uh, two things, um, fake love, false counterfeit love 
um, being offered by everything and everybody. Um, that's one strategy. I'll mention it a little bit more, but um, this the idea of counterfeit connection, counterfeit love, counterfeit um, fulfillment of what actually we were designed to walk in and feeling uh, loved and cared for. And then the second uh, being the opposite of that, like actually the unimportance or the 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 uh, emphasis that the enemy puts on love not even being important like you don't on, on disconnection and how um, the, the pursuit of something else. And so we kind of see these two major things happening. And and so not necessarily with that in mind, but that consciously understanding that that there's a there's a conscious effort of the enemy to to divide people. To actually stop the fulfillment of the law, which is for us to actually love each other. To love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And the second, which is like it, to love each other as ourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. That that one thing, that one, that every time the enemy gets victory in that one area, it literally, everything breaks down from that point. From that one point, we can we can argue about theology. We can do great meetings. We can have, um, you know, articulated, wonderful teaching, all those things. But if we can't figure out how to love each other, what does it look like? How do we? If we can't figure that out, everything else is just a waste of time. To be to be totally honest. And so I, I was sitting there reading through, and what we're going to do is we're actually going to go through 1 Corinthians 13. And like I said, I've done this before. We know this chapter, but um, there's a series of declarations, and, and then we're going to end with a, a, a declaration prayer that is actually, this is who we are. This is how we're going to behave. And it doesn't mean that we don't, we don't miss it. It doesn't mean that we don't fall short. It doesn't mean we don't, right? We, we still... We don't bypass the need for for the cross and the need for forgiveness and the need for, you know, all of the rest of communication and all that. But we begin to declare things over our 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 person and and then we begin to declare things over our culture, starting with the church. But ideally that it it flows into the world that we are going to be a people that loves people. We're going to be a people that loves people. And as, as love is trying to be def, uh, redefined in the world, we're going to look into and grab a hold of this verse, which is maybe explains love more than anything is, else is ever explained in Scripture. Super detailed. This is actually what love is, and this is actually what love does. And we're going to look into this, and we're, going to, we're just going to kind of pull out some declarations and... and uh, just kind of work our way through. It's not going to take too long. Um, but I feel like that there's. Uh... Yeah, I already said what I feel like. OK, so we're going to start in First Corinthians 13, four right there. Love is patient. Now, patience can can be and applied in a whole bunch of different ways, but one of the ways one of the things we're talking about today, and I encourage you to, 
to in listening with the Holy Spirit to pull things out personally for you. But one of the things we're doing today is we're actually talking. I'm going to speak to you corporately as a church in a lot of ways that actually. What does love is patient? What does that look like in the in a group of people? Because it looks differently sometimes in individual, sometimes in individual situations. There's all kind of kind of ways that love needs to be applied in the in the way of patience, if that makes sense. But one of the things I want to look at is patience is actually uh, one of the ways that love it, it, it needs to be patient in in this setting is that patience actually makes sure that no one is left behind. Patience is actually. Um, Keeps everybody uh, as as a family or as a group. Now let's just easily, quickly apply it to to this season. We have um, we have a new pastor coming, and this new pastor is different than me. He's shorter. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he's different from me. He's going to preach differently. He's going to plan differently. He's going he's gonna to do everything eventually pretty much a little bit different. Some things will be close, but it's different. It's going to be different. Some people are going to jump right into it, maybe even more. Some people will connect with him quicker than they've connected with me. And they're going to be like, this is perfect. This is great. This is wonderful. I love this transition. God's doing this. is amazing. And they have that feeling of like, right? Some people are going to be right there like this is I can. It's easy for me to see from where I'm sitting that God was in this. That's going to be. Some people and then some people are going to be like, I don't know, I just man, I don't feel it. I don't connect with him as well as I connect with Cameron. Church doesn't feel the same. I don't know, whatever, whatever that is. And that's that's going to be another group. And then there's going to be everybody everywhere in between. And love is patient. Looks like the people that are over here waiting for the people that are over here. And the people that are here having patience for the people that are there. That together we actually go through transition with patience. That it looks like you don't have to think like me or be where I'm at or see this from my perspective. And I still will love you in that realm of patience. I will still take time. I will still... Move slowly. I won't, I won't get frustrated. Well, we're going to get into the, the other things. But just starting with patience. Patience is what keeps people together. We're not going to move on until we're together. We're not going to go to another thing. We're not going to... We're going to be patient. Love will be patient. Our love will be patient. Love is kind. Kindness is the quality of being friendly... Generous, considerate. I think sometimes kindness is the power of kindness is underestimated. Just a kind word, kind moment. I was talking to my son a little bit about the idea of kindness in outside of these walls. Actually, I think that. Most of these things, actually, I read through that. I, I had to kind of go battle with myself because I'm like, why am I preaching something that I believe is actually here? <laughs> I, I, don't know, it's, I don't know. It's 
because I felt feel it on my heart. And I, I believe this is actually quite a kind place. I believe as a, as a group of people, you, you're actually quite kind. But kindness is, uh, is something that I think outside of this, uh, outside of these walls are, is not necessarily um, as important as it should be. But I want, I want us to declare that our love will be kind. Because uh, when people come through those doors, or that when we leave out those doors, we should be carrying kindness with us. It does not envy. Envy is being discontented, resentful. A longing, this is a dictionary description, a longing aroused by someone else's possessions or qualities. Basically, envy is jealousy. And one of the things that, that see, most of these things have a, they're, they're a two-edged sword, which is kind of interesting, and we're going to look at a couple of them, but the envy is one of them. See, what happens is embracing jealousy and envy, it actually, while it, while it cuts into relationship and love, it also removes a quality of love that, that we want to see. And envy and jealousy actually uh, defeats encouragement. It actually removes encouragement from the culture. It removes encouragement from our interaction and from our uh, from our value system because it's almost impossible to encourage, honestly encourage someone that you're envious of. And so when the, the enemy speaks into our, our, our ear and we kind of move towards that, we entertain the idea of jealousy and envy, it actually removes that, that quality, the gold of encouragement. You guys with me? Okay. You're really quiet. We're going to keep going. Yeah, we will be encouraging. It does not boast. Boasting is, a, is about self-promotion and self-worth. Where your worth is dependent on your possessions and your abilities. And... Uh, the the antidote for self promotion and and uh, and boasting is actually humility. Our declaration for not boasting will be that we will be humble. We'll be a humble people. Now, humility. I've even I've taught all kinds of messages on humility, and like I'm saying, all of these things actually are. A life pursuit, just in their in their own in their own right. But humility, the idea of humility is is confidence in who he is more than who you are. It's the it's the understanding that your greatness doesn't come from you. Understanding that you're worthy because he paid for you. I, have, I, I was looking through, I have probably ten messages on worth and value, identity. You guys remember, I preached tons of them. 
And that idea that you're actually worth more to Him than you are to me. You're valuable to, we're valuable, we're valuable, we have value to each other. There's value there. But actually it's, it's His value for you that gives you value. He's the one that died for you. God's the one that gave His Son and traded His Son's life for yours. Not me. <laughs> You're actually not that valuable to me. Or to each other. The more we understand it, the, less, the, the more we can expect it. And realize that actually, you can love me as I am. Not as much as I can try and prove myself to you. Right? All of a sudden... I just am who I am, and, and, and my greatness, my value, my amazingness actually comes from the fact that Christ died for me and put me here in this place for some reason that I'm hoping to discover at some point. It doesn't come, my value, my identity, my, that doesn't come from your ability to understand it and see it. So I just stop fighting for that. I stop fighting to try and show you how valuable I am, to show you how much I'm worth. I just know that I am because of who he is. Right? There's such a fine line. It's like a hair between arrogance and humility. They're almost, and to a lot of people, they even look the same. They feel the same. There's a, there's, a, there's a fine line between being a prince and acting like a king. The prince has all this has, has this authority. We're, we're princes, princes and princesses, non-gender specific. But point being, but you're 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 a prince now. Now a prince can try and act like the king. That's arrogance. But a prince acting like a prince because he knows he's the son of the king. It's just confidence, and there's actually humility in it. That actually, I know what my authority is as a prince. So I don't have to prove it. I don't have to lord it over people. I don't have to, I don't have to do that. Because I know it. It's actually, the, it's actually uh, insecurity that promotes arrogance. It's like I actually don't know who I am, and so I have to try to prove it to everyone around me. I don't know who my dad is. I don't know who my father is. I don't know what makes me valuable. And so I've got to try and prove it to everyone. Which segues into the next one. It's not proud. Or thinks more highly of oneself than they ought. And our declaration is that we will honor God and that we will honor each other. When you're constantly... And, and, and every, like again, two-edged sword... When, when you are in a place, a mindset, coming out of, I know who I am, I know what my value is. When you're in a place of, of honoring everyone around you as equal or higher than yourself, it's almost impossible to struggle with pride. When you begin to look around and you see the greatness of other people, you focus on the gold that's in other people's lives. Man, this is what makes that person amazing. 
And you begin to have a, a, a thought process and a heart that celebrates in love, that celebrates the good things. It's almost impossible to be prideful. There's like no room for it. Because, because excitement and anticipation and the search for greatness in God's creation actually overwhelms the place that pride can live. You start realizing that like, I'm not really that big a deal. The only big deal about me is that which God has laid in my life and the path that he set me on. How, how, how is that? How's that mine? How can you be proud about that? We boast in the Lord, right? Verse five, it's not rude. Tougher than for some than others. I mean, rudeness is. Is the opposite of kindness. It's thinking of yourself first, not valuing others' feelings or opinions. It's all that's all tied together. But um, I think it's important that we understand and that we declare that our love is respectful. That our love is respectful. There's a in in talking to my kids. Um, there's a there's a a normal process. There's a normal reaction when people treat you a certain way. That you treat them that way, they get what they like. You could even back it up with some scripture, right? They're reaping what they're sowing, whatever it is. But the fact is, is that we we're called in love to be respectful. To be kind, if we go all the way back, to not be rude, even to those that are rude to us. That we're actually called to a higher, love is a higher standard. We're, we're choosing, this whole list is the idea of choosing to walk in a higher standard than what's normal. Turning the other cheek is not normal. It doesn't make sense, it's not, but that's what we're called to do. Right? We're, we're, we're called to do what's not normal. I've talked about um, before the fruit of the Spirit is fruit that, that, that bears out of season. That's the point. Fruit in season is actually not, is natural fruit. If there's oranges on your orange tree during the season when all the orange trees are blooming and, and oranges are growing... That's not supernatural. That's not spiritual fruit. That's just fruit. Spiritual fruit is fruit out of season. It's fruit that only grows through the Spirit. It's supernatural fruit. It's the idea that I can actually... It's supernatural that when I get smacked on this side, I'm okay somehow with being... with turning literally turning the other cheek. That I'm okay when I'm treated disrespectfully, when I'm misunderstood, when I'm treated rudely, when I'm treated, when I'm dishonored. I'm okay with that. We don't like it. We're not, it's not silly in that way. But I still act respectfully. Why? Because it's a declaration and it's a standard we've chosen to walk in. We choose respect because it's part of love. We will be respectful. It's not self-seeking. 
doesn't fight its way to the top. It won't sacrifice relationship for promotion. We value and promote relationships. The connection is more important. Uh, there's a whole bunch of, again, I could go deeply into all this stuff. But there's a lot to be said about um, self-promotion, self-seeking. And it's all tied into valuing ourselves and our own identity and but that a loving culture, that a loving church seeks to promote and value relationships. Relationships between each other higher than promotion, higher than... Um, and when we talk about, when we use the word promotion, we maybe think about jobs or, or whatever, but oftentimes it's in a group or in a family, it's wanting to look better than someone else. Like I just I don't want to be tied to that mistake. I don't want to be tied to that uh to what that looks like or or whatever. And so we we actually sacrifice sacrifice others to be promoted in relationship. That makes sense. There's something to uh what I see and when I look through these a little bit more I'll talk about it at the end the end with it, but that we actually look around and the, the promotion, the value, the encouragement, the um, success of the people around us is at least is at least as important as ours in the environment, in the culture. I don't mean I don't mean like in the whole your whole life like you got to value everyone else's success in their lives but more than your success in your life that's unrealistic and I don't think that's even what this means but in this church culture that is we're we're deciding that love will be our standard we look around and we decide that everyone else's success in this place is actually as important as mine everyone feeling connected in this place is as important as is as important as mine. Everyone feeling loved and cared for and empowered and encouraged, those them feeling those things and getting those things actually can be as important as me getting those things. That is love. And and it, and it's manifested in a whole bunch of different actions. Even if it's something as simple as giving up a moment with somebody to make sure that someone else is connected with who they need to be connected with. Giving up a, an afternoon, giving up a whatever it is. So it, it ends in, oftentimes in either inclusion or self-sacrifice, which sometimes in being inclusive is self-sacrificing or risking something anyway. But there's this idea that we declare over ourselves that we value the people that we're with in this place. Like I said, at least as much as we value ourselves. And when someone comes in that door, that's what they feel. 
That's love. Love makes someone feel valuable. We value and promote relationships. It is not easily angered. Losing your anger is is all about losing your temper or losing control. Um, we're powerful people. I talked about self control and um, our front fruit out of season and the, and the fruit of the spirit and the, the fruit of self control and um. It's, it's easy to control yourself when nothing is trying to take control over you. <laughs> the fruit of self-control is being able to maintain it when, when it's trying to be taken. Basically, self-control means I stay who I am no matter what the circumstances. I'm always me. I, I, my core values stay intact. My love stays intact. No matter what's going on around me, it's the opposite of the victim mindset, which victim means I blame anything or everything for whatever is going on inside me. That's the opposite of self-control. Self-control is I actually control what's inside me. And I know and understand that I can't control what's outside me. There's a, there's a balance there. And the fruit of self-control is the same as the fruit of, of other things we've talked about, that it's that it's fruit that's born out of season. It's oranges in the snow. Right? It's, it's, it's. Anyway, yeah, I said that. I'll keep going because that's already lit. It keeps no records of wrongs. We have to declare that we are going to keep short accounts. We have to declare over ourselves. It, we, we all do this. We all, and I remember hearing this years ago, someone else preached it but he talked about a file cabinet and that everybody keeps a file we all do we all keep files on everybody we know based on our experiences and anytime you have an experience you put something in that file and a whole bunch of it is good stuff you know who to trust because of what's in your file you know who even people's names and their faces and what they look like like we all had a mental file we look around we go yeah so, so I don't want to say you don't throw your. It's not real that you're going to take your whole cabinet and throw it away, your whole file cabinet, and say I'm just not going to do that. That's ridiculous. You are going to do it, but what we need to do is keep short accounts. You need to, you need to, as a regular practice, go into your file, and and bless people by emptying their file. Bless them by going. I, I'm going to take that out. I'm just going to. I'm going to take that out. I'm not going to hold that thing against them. I'm not going to remember that. I'm not going to. And, and I, I understand that it's easier said than done. We're taking something that is extremely challenging and putting it into a, a filing system. But in my mind, it helps. In my mind, it helps me to refresh their file. To go in there and go, man, I, I, I need to I need to figure out how to start over. I need to. I need to give them the benefit of all the doubt that I haven't given them. Whatever it is, whatever the self-talk you need to empty that file out or to at least clear a bunch out of it, we need to get in the habit of doing. We, we will be quick to forgive and keep short accounts. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It's interesting to me that evil and truth stand opposed in this verse. 
We don't always think think of them as as op, in opposition. I mean, we think of them as opposition, but we would think good versus evil and lies versus the truth. But in this verse, it's actually evil versus the truth. And the reason is, I believe, because all evil is wrapped in lies. All evil is actually wrapped in a lie. And that truth unwraps evil. And evil is actually quite weak. Sin and evil is actually quite weak. When it, that's why when it's exposed, it dies. You know, evil is like, is like an ice cube on a, on a hot day. Right? If you put it, in, you wrap it in and you protect it, it can last a long time. But as soon as you expose it, it just kind of melts and goes away. It does what is actually, and, and, and actually lies do that. Lies cover evil, lies cover sin, lies protect it and create an environment that sin can, and, and, and evil can actually survive, stay, stay the, the way they are. And so, so truth actually reveals and opens up and exposes evil and it begins to melt away and and uh, so the idea that, that love actually stands for truth, that love actually speaks the truth, that love actually exposes evil, that love's actually a, a, a strength through truth, that love is actually something that defeats. And number seven, lastly, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. We will protect, we will trust, we will hope, we will persevere, and we will not fail. Ephesians 3.17 says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, I actually preached on this first a couple of weeks ago, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is our covenant of love. We will be patient. We will be kind. We will be encouraging. We will walk in humility and we will honor. We will respect we will be respectful. We will value and promote relationships. We are powerful. We will be quick to forgive. And stand for the truth. We will protect. We will trust. We will hope. And we will persevere. And we will not fail. We got to stand with me. Lord, we just thank you that. you first loved us (laughs) we thank you that everything that in this in these verses is possible because you first loved us and then you called us into into love and then you gave us the Holy Spirit that we might love even out of season even when it's difficult especially when it's challenging Thank you, Lord, that you have set us up to succeed in love. You've set up the church to succeed in love, in relationship, 
in connection, in unity. You have made us one body and you've given us the tools and empowered us to walk it out. And I pray as we declare this over our lives that you would you would press it into our hearts, this covenant into our hearts, that we would be a people that loves. Love each other, that we'd love the world, that we'd love our neighbors, that we would be known for love. Just as scripture says, that they would see that we're your disciples and how we love each other. Thank you, Lord. So good to us. Bless you.